Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Am I the asshole for getting my eldest daughter a kitten when my wife is already overwhelmed with our disabled child? So my eldest NT daughter has had to make so many sacrifices for her sister with nonverbal autism. More sacrifices than any child should have to make. She has unintentionally been put on the back burner ever since her younger sister was born. It is clearly taking a toll on her and I feel really bad. The poor child cannot even have playdates unless I'm there because my wife cannot manage another child alone on top of our two because our daughter with autism needs constant supervision, can be aggressive, and is very prone to meltdowns. She cannot even go to friends' houses unless I'm there to help, unless the other parent can drive her and bring her back because our daughter with autism is too difficult to handle in cars without another adult there. She has also been subject to aggressive behaviors from her sister and has always been expected to let her sister have the first turn, the biggest piece, and the winning ticket, so to speak. She has also had her toys frequently destroyed by her sister. I partly blame myself for this and I'm trying to do better by her. She has been dying for a kitten ever since she could speak, but my wife kept saying no because she couldn't handle any more work as our autistic daughter requires so much care. I see the longing look on my daughter's eyes whenever there's a kitten on the television, in a magazine, etc. And I've always tried to get easy pets like a betta fish so that my wife wouldn't be overwhelmed, but she still wants a kitten. My wife is a stay-at-home mom, and I work long hours. I thought my daughter has had it rough these past five years, and for once, deserved a little joy in her life. So I decided against my wife's wishes to get her a kitten. The joy on her face ever since having her kitten brought tears to my eyes, and I'm not a crier. My wife is furious with me and has demanded that I return the kitten. Our daughter cried so much overhearing this. I have usually acquiesced to her, but this time I put my foot down and said absolutely not. I understand she's overwhelmed, but our daughter deserves a little bit of joy in her life for once, and as she gets older, she'll be able to handle the kitten more. Our daughter is a person and not just supposed to be a decorative artifact in her sister's story. I understand she's the one who's home and has to help take care of it much of the time, but it will not be a kitten forever, and it'll grow into a more independent cat. At least our daughter was asking for a kitten rather than a puppy, which is a lot more work. I've seen a lot of posts on here about adult children of disabled siblings going no contact with their parents due to emotional neglect, and I'm trying to prevent that from happening. Am I the asshole? OP has offered the following explanation for why they think they might be the asshole. Parents are supposed to put on a united front, and my wife feels I disrespected her wishes, and because I work a lot, she will be stuck with the grunt of the work. And now in the comments, info, who's going to stop the aggressive toy-breaking child from hurting the kitten? Exactly. She is a stay-at-home mom and truly knows her daughter's day-to-day -day lives. She knows what she can handle, and blocking the kitten from her other daughter is going to be a handful. 
Not only this, but there are ways to socialize and curb this kind of behavior in autistic children. While the kid is only five, it almost sounds like they are being enabled without much attempt at teaching consequences. Obviously, we don't know the whole life story, but that's what I gather. Things like that lead to things like Chris Chan happening. <laughs> we didn't need to go there. Did not need to say that one. Oh my god. If you don't know about Chris Chan, it's probably for the best you stay out of that one. More info. What are you doing to prevent your daughter feeling emotionally neglected aside from buying her a kitten? Are you spending time with her, taking her places and doing things she enjoys? Are you stepping up to look after your autistic daughter so that your wife can have a break and can also bond with your older daughter? Are you involving an extended support network in your lives so both you and your wife can enjoy family time with both your children? Or did you just buy her a kitten for your wife to stress about so you could pat yourself on the back for not emotionally neglecting your child? 100% this is the comment. What else are you trying for her? She can't go on playdates because your wife can't drive her? Explain your situation and ask if the friend's parents can give her a ride. Set aside time with her regularly one-on-one -on -one, or give your wife a chance to spend that time with her. If you and your wife agreed to get the kitten, there would be no problems, but she's going to have to care for and protect it on top of everything else now, and you can't take it away without breaking your daughter's heart. You've put your wife between a rock and a hard place and made your daughter feel responsible for a fight, and for that, you're the asshole. What are you going to do to keep this cat alive? You'd better devote yourself to it and your daughter to a new level if you want to fix this disaster that you've created. Quote, the poor child cannot even go on playdates unless I'm there, then effing be there. You're the asshole for going against your wife's expressed wishes. And OP replies, whenever I'm not at work, I am at home. I have completely given up any semblance of a social life or any personal time so I can be there for my kids and my wife. I am the sole breadwinner. I am the only one bringing in an income. I go to work the bare minimum that I have to to keep this family afloat. You have a medical home option for your daughter. She's not always going to be small enough to manage her. She needs to be homed with professionals, people who know how to let her grow and have goals and to live her best life. Sounds like your family is on 100% defense. Is there a group home she can go to during the day or on weekends? You can't do this for the next 30 years. Start looking now for a secondary home for her. Start now getting her used to not living full time at your home. Believe me, it's for the best, for her and your family. Edit, thank you everyone for the awards. And to be clear, we as a society must begin to recognize the benefit of reaching out to professionals to provide extraordinary support to our loved ones with these types of challenges. We have to normalize seeking mental health care. Just as a broken leg requires a cast and sometimes surgery, mental health challenges require medical treatment too. Mental health care is medical care. Gone are the days that parents can keep a child in their home isolated from the world while those same parents drive themselves into a depression trying to manage a child that needs professional help. This child needs immediate care, whether it's daily care during the day or overnight care in a home specifically created to guide autistic children to adulthood. And to those commenting the parents shouldn't dump their daughter in a facility, you have no idea what you're talking about and are 100 years in the past. 
Today's medical professionals recognize the benefits of creating goals and boundaries for children with autism that offers these children the best opportunity to live their best life as adults. And now on to the update. My wife and I are now separated and more likely than not getting a divorce. I have tried everything and my wife has refused all suggestions. She refuses respite care because our daughter with autism doesn't like strangers, said the same thing when I offered to hire a pet sitter for the kitten for when I'm not home to help. I spoke to an old acquaintance of mine from college who is now a child psychologist because I was at my wits end. He said, I'm going to be very candid with you. Children with high needs autism such as yours will only get bigger, stronger, and worse. Yes, she may currently be helped by ABA therapy and such, but all that help and training will go out the window once she hits puberty. And in every single case, their siblings have ended up with psychological issues, depression, anxiety, and CPTSD, and then often go low or no contact with parents upon adulthood. And telling your child that I'm doing the best I can and don't take it personal will not reduce the harmful impact on their mental and emotional health. My advice, get her into a group home ASAP. I'm not saying forget about her or don't be in her life. I'm saying that is where they all end up eventually and you'll be doing no one any favors by waiting until she's too large and strong for you and your wife to manage. I have not seen one case of behavior improving for the long term until they ended up in a group home. I'm sorry to have to be so grim, but I couldn't bring myself to lie to you. It is no one's fault. It is the nature of high needs, low functioning autism. All the love in the world won't fix it. I thanked him for his honesty. I discussed it with my wife, including the group home, and she'll have none of it. A minute later, I hear a tumble and two loud cries. Older daughter is at the bottom of the steps. Younger one is at the top. She cried, she pushed me. All her mother could say was, if you had picked up your toys like I told you to, this wouldn't have happened. She stepped on your toy and got upset. That's why she pushed you. This was the final straw for me. I said, for the love of God, what's wrong with you? She's seven years old. Neither of us can handle her. And you expect a seven-year-old to? She yelled at me to get out. So I told her, way ahead of you. I want a divorce and I'm taking the eldest daughter and kitten with me. I then took daughter to the hospital to get her checked out for internal injuries. She has a few scrapes, but is otherwise okay. Physically at least. Wife never called to ask if she was okay. She and I are staying in a hotel with a kitten until I find us an apartment. We've only been here three days and I already see such a difference in daughter. She's not the shell of a child that I once knew. She's happy, vibrant, calmer than I've ever seen her and hasn't cried once. While she used to cry one to two times a day before. I do plan to get her therapy ASAP, which her mother wouldn't let her do, claiming no time. But when I offered for her to do Zoom sessions with therapist, she said no because she doesn't want the therapist judging her. And on top of that, she absolutely adores her kitten. She stays with my parents while I'm working, and I plan to send more than ample child support and alimony to my wife and other daughter and let them have the house. I did what I had to do for her well-being. The child psychologist I spoke with said that I'm the first person he's seen who advocates this much for the well child, and that broke my heart. Thank you again, everyone. And now in the comments, oh, F. This is absolutely heartbreaking for all involved. 
I think it's absolutely for the best, but still. I do hope the dad advocates hard for a professional, in addition to the mum to be regularly, weekly at minimum, involved with the autistic child's care. From what I can see, mum is only catering to the autistic child's meltdowns and not preparing the autistic child for the world. I get it. I am fairly certain that in her shoes, I would probably also be doing anything I could to avoid another meltdown, and I would probably be extremely resistant to asking for any help. I also acknowledge that forcing autistic kids to behave like neurotypical kids is very harmful to them. All that said, strangers are a fact of life, and autistic kid needs to learn to cope. They will not learn to cope if you make sure they never encounter a stranger ever. The best stranger, or strangers, to learn to cope with are ones who are knowledgeable about and experienced with autism. Also, as far as I can see, the autistic kid was not even told that they were wrong for pushing the sister down the stairs. The sister was told she was wrong for making the autistic kid do it, by not picking up her toys. But the mother didn't seem to make any attempt to teach the autistic kid better behavior, and that is likely to be a huge problem in a few years. I am that parent who had to make that awful choice to allow my non-verbal autistic son, then eight, to be placed in a residential home with specially trained staff. It broke my heart, but I knew I had done all I could for him at home. I had almost nothing left over for my other children because I couldn't even go to the bathroom without fearing he would get into danger. ETA, the sleep deprivation due to having to supervise him at night, as he slept only four to five hours or not at all, was horrendous. He is almost 22 and thriving. I work in both private home care and residential homes. You absolutely made the right choice. The people that suffer the most in these situations are the family members. I am trained, paid well, and get to go home and relax after my shift. The parents and guardians generally are untrained, rarely receive more than a pittance in financial support from the government, and are essentially on call 24-7. It's a hard choice to make, but I've seen too many people and families be ruined by running themselves ragged trying to care for someone like that. Don't set yourself on fire to keep someone else warm. And that's the big reason why they get much better care. The caregivers in the home get to go home and leave that work behind, and the next shift comes in fresh. At home, there is no break, there is no vacation, very little sleep. So the caregiver is not giving nearly as good care as they think they are because there is so very little left in the gas tank. They think that their love will make up for it, but it doesn't. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Our next post is titled, My fiancé says that I am not American despite being born and raised here. We've been together for three years and are supposed to be getting married in December. To start off, my family is from India. My parents were born and raised in India. Me, my brother and my sister were all born here in the US and raised here. I have only visited India once when I was about 10 to meet my extended family and grandparents and I haven't been back since. I can't even speak a word of Punjabi. I was very grateful that my parents were more integrating than other Indian families I knew growing up. My mother would make traditional Indian food, but she would also mix it up a lot and make mac and cheese or burgers, chicken or imitation beef, though she didn't mind if we bought McDonald's outside of the house. My parents encouraged us to join sports and do other extracurriculars that would let us bond with the kids who went to our school rather than just hang out with the Indian kids from other Indian families just because they were Indian. My dad always said that he saw so many people get stuck in their ways because they never ventured out of what was familiar to them. So fast forward to three years ago, I met my fiance, Alan. What I liked about him was he didn't make it a point that we were this exotic interracial couple. He didn't treat me differently than anyone else. And we of course talked about my family and he knew that my parents were from India, but that me and my siblings had grown up here. He never said anything that came off ignorant, which was very refreshing considering how every guy I had dated before that had had some weird Indian chick fetish that gradually came out during the relationship. He proposed six months ago. Until about a month ago, things were going well and we were planning our wedding that we decided to have in December. He asked me if we were going to have an American or Indian wedding or both. And I replied that we were just going to have an American wedding because I really didn't know anything about an Indian one and my family really isn't traditional like that so they weren't fussed. Alan seemed surprised and when I asked why he said, well I mean, you're Indian. I just thought that we were going to also celebrate accordingly. I then asked him jokingly if we were going to have beer steins and if he was going to wear lederhosen at our wedding. He gave me a completely baffled look and said no. And I said, well, it's the same sentiment really. You and I were both raised here, we were both American. To which he said, yeah, but well, not really. You're Indian American. It turned into an argument where I challenged him and asked him why he's not calling himself German American or Irish American, since that's where his grandparents hail from. And he never once gave me a solid answer. Everything was vague and a lot of blubbering began to happen the more that I asked him why he could just be an American but I needed a clarification of a hyphen in there. We never resolved the issue. We just ended up sweeping it under the rug and didn't talk about it again until this week. At dinner with his parents, the issue of an Indian wedding came up again. I politely told them no, that we wouldn't be doing that as my parents aren't traditional and that is the only reason that I would be having an Indian wedding. Alan pipes up and says it's a shame because you Indians do weddings way better than us Americans, nodding towards his mum and dad. I asked him right there and then what he meant because I was also an American. And he said, well, you know what I mean. Like, you're Indian and we're white. It left a really sour taste in my mouth. And then I got to thinking about what happens after we get married and decide to have kids. Kids born here in America. Are we going to have to deal with their dad continually reminding them that because they're a bit more brown, that they're not really American? 
I know people will say some ignorant things because woohoo for racism, but I don't want the first instance of prejudice to come from their own father. I don't want my kids to feel the way I do when someone insists on slapping the Indian American label on me because I look one way and talk and act another. This is honestly making me rethink the wedding, but I don't know if I'm overreacting here or if my feelings are valid. I don't even know how to really approach my fiancé about this whole issue without coming off bitter or angry. I'm not saying that I don't know what my heritage is, but the fact is, I was raised here. My ties to India are purely because my parents happen to be born there. I don't want to have to straddle two worlds because I'm not even really part of one, and I don't want my kids to feel that way either. And now in the comments, he doesn't seem to understand the difference between race and nationality. I would have a serious conversation with him about this, but given the relationship has been good up until now, give him some benefit of the doubt. You are 100% American, but you're not a white American. It seems like he might have been trying to respectfully acknowledge the racial difference and he screwed up. He phrased it badly by implying that you're not just American, and he also wrongly assumed that you want to take part in traditional Indian customs. But think about it from his point of view. Wouldn't he also risk hurting you by denying any possible difference, insisting on Anglo-American customs without asking your preferences, and sweeping your Indianness under the rug? Even though he knows Indian culture is not important to you, he might wonder if you want to acknowledge that background on such an important day as your wedding. There is a fine line to tread. I think his intentions were in the right place. Talk to him. I think he just doesn't understand the nuances of race versus ethnicity, versus nationality, versus culture, but that is something that OP can educate him on. Racially, she's Asian or Asian Indian, whatever she chooses to identify as. Ethnically, she is Indian, her nationality is American due to her birthright citizenship, and India not recognizing dual citizenship. Culturally, she seems to identify as American, perhaps with mild Indian influences. He is ignorant, but I wouldn't outright label him racist unless he is willfully and deliberately resistant to our attempts to explain why his views on the matter are flawed and personally offensive to her. This sounds like a sitcom. I'm not saying you're fabricating it, just that it sounds like one of those sitcom situations where the husband stereotype says something dumb and ignorant, not out of maliciousness, but because he's dumb and ignorant. Sounds like he's perceiving the difference because of the stereotypes, but it doesn't sound like he's meaning any harm or offense. He's just kind of an idiot about this from the sound of it. I'd start by sitting him down and having a serious discussion, starting with his potential attitude towards any future children. Focus on calmly educating him and see if he can come around. And OP replies, No, trust me. I completely understand. I was waiting for some punchline joke to be told during dinner and the canned laughter to play. I'm gonna do my best and just sit down with him and try to explain it the way that I did in my post. In fact, maybe it would be good to show him the post entirely, and some of the responses here as well. And now, on to the update. First, wow! Did not expect this post to get so much attention. I originally planned to reply to all the comments, but there's like 500 on that post now. So, gonna be that person and say a general thank you to everyone who took the time to reach out and weigh in. I read all your comments and messages, and I decided to talk to Alan. So I texted him before he got done with work and asked him if he had any plans after, and if not, I'd like to talk to him about something. He said that he'd come straight home. He got home and we sat down to talk. 
I opened with saying that I loved him very much and that he was so different from anyone I'd ever met and let him know how much he means to me. I then said, but, and brought up what happened at his parents' dinner. Like many of you suggested, I made it clear to him why it was hurtful and ignorant. I told him that in all our time together, he has never made me feel other, and therefore it was a pretty bad shock to hear him say what he said. I told him that it's hard for a lot of other people to be minorities in this country, because you always have other people expecting you to play the cultural-bound immigrant even if you just aren't interested. For me personally, I just prefer not to have to have one foot in two different worlds. I grew up here, and that's all I really identify with. The fact that because I look the way I do, or have the last name that I do, people expect me to be more than I am in regards to India. It is very frustrating when it's a damned if you do, or damned if you don't situation. Even in the thread, I had people saying that I'm ashamed of being of Indian descent because I don't freaking care about all the cultural ties to it. To that I say, hey, did you think Alan was ashamed of being German-Irish because he's not calling himself German-Irish-American or keeping any norms alive from those cultures? So once again, it falls on me to have to play this part that I have no effing interest in playing. So stop shoving this idea that people are married to their ancestors' culture down people's throats because it creates yet another barrier when it comes to integration. And then I showed him the thread. By the time he got done reading everything, comments included, he looked mortified. He apologized for the way that he treated me during dinner, and he admitted to me that his views had been ignorant. We had a long discussion about norms and attitudes that he grew up with, and as many of you noted, Alan grew up with white being the default for American. He said he never had thought about how Caucasians get a free pass when it comes to being American but someone with different features is immediately considered an other and needs a hyphen. I apologized to him for not explicitly spelling it out, but I told him that I assumed in this day and age that it would be a little more obvious to him. We talked about future children, and we both agreed to have them grow up American, and if later they chose to connect with other roots, then that was fine too. He said that he never wanted to make our kids feel like he made me feel with those comments. And no, he didn't want the whole Bollywood wedding some people thought he wanted. He was just making sure that I knew that I had that choice. But now he has promised not to bring it up again, and we finally laid that issue to rest. I also told him, albeit a bit more jokingly, that I wouldn't be making him any ruddy so he can stop holding his breath, that I'd become some Indian housewife. We both agreed that this is probably not the last conversation we will have about race, but we also agreed that we wouldn't let it go under the rug again. He said he won't be hyphenating anyone else from now on, and instead, let them set that identity for themselves. I appreciated that a lot, and I could actually see that he took it seriously, and that he wasn't just saying whatever I wanted to hear. So the wedding is still on. Yay. Really, thank you guys so much. It was good to feel validated in this. It made me want to actually approach the issue instead of ducking my head and ignoring it. If I didn't know about this sub, I would have probably kept it bottled and so much resentment would have accumulated before I finally exploded like a firework on the 4th of July. And now in the comments, that whole thing about the German-Irish-American, this is so insightful, and I'm amazed that in the context of a question regarding unintentional racism, you again had to deal with additional unintentional racism. Very illuminating to see such concrete proof of its omnipresence. 
It is interesting for sure. I'm first-generation Chinese Canadian since my childhood, while my boyfriend's grandparents are all Dutch. He grew up in a Dutch Christian neighborhood, was even forced to be at a private school of that background. His family speak a few words of Dutch as jokes sometimes, though he doesn't identify as Dutch Canadian, which I guess makes sense since he's third generation and doesn't even like much of the culture. To be honest, sometimes I hyphenate him just because it's normal for me, coming from a place with a lot of newish immigrants. But I agree with OP that we should not just assume and let people identify themselves. There are times people assume I'm born in Canada by my looks, and there are times people assume that I'm Chinese and need proof for my English just because of my last name. Hell, there are times people in Europe assume that I'm American. The horror! I'm usually not offended because I understand everyone carries preconceptions, but I've also learned to just take the answer for where are you from at face value and not pry or assume further. I'm so happy with how your fiancé reacted and that it all worked out for you. This post really is close to my heart as I'm also a minority in a Western culture, albeit British instead of American. I even had someone repeatedly asking for my real Asian name because he didn't believe that my Western-sounding name was my birth name. This is a really interesting thread. I never considered that the hyphenation, as it were, could be slapping a label on someone they didn't want, only that it represented extra cultural identity that I didn't have. Also, props for having a conversation like adults. Yeah, this was a weird one for me, because I proudly display my hyphenation. I'm 100% Chinese and 100% American, and screw anyone who thinks I have to choose. Some well-meaning folks think that being called a hyphenated American somehow makes me less American, but hell no. It just means I embrace my heritage and the society that I grew up in. Now that I've written all that out, I can actually see where OP is coming from. Having people assume and pigeonhole you into something you aren't is insanely annoying. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And that's where I'm going to end this one today, guys. I do hope you enjoyed, and I will see you on the next one. Bye.